uh, last week we began the book of John, and I uh, started in verse 1 and uh, made it through uh, verse 14. And so that's why we're picking up in 15. But uh, just a little bit of a recap. Uh, we spent last week, the, the service last week, discussing who Jesus Christ is and the importance of the Christian to know who Jesus is and be able to speak to who Jesus is. It's very important for us in our hearts to be firmly established on who Jesus Christ is. And when we see in verses 1 through 3, and then you attach verse 14 onto it, we see that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So not only that, it says he was in the beginning, verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And I, I, I'm not going to go back and do the whole Bible study again, but it's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. But if you look at verse 14, skip down there, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's, under, it's so important for the Christian to know, be firmly established, understand, that way we can share who Jesus is. A lot of confusion. I was talking to, to Oliver uh, prior to uh, service, and he just said that a lot of the time that he has speaking uh, with mostly that I've heard, I've heard him say the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons is who's Jesus Christ and uh, the importance of us to understand. If we don't understand and we don't know, uh, that it's our responsibility to know, first of all. But if we don't, is our, is our faith firmly established in who Jesus is? We have to know who he is. We have to dive in. We have to know him. Not only know who he is, but know him personally. That comes from being in the scriptures. So when we go through here, this this little backup just to make sure everybody understands. I just don't I don't want to just pick up 15 and keep going. The importance of understanding the, the foundation. John is is laying this whole book of John, if you weren't here last week, the focus is on the deity of Christ, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That's the whole thing. And if you look at the end of the book of John, John is stating where all these things that you may know him. It's the, the importance of knowing Jesus and who he is. So uh, absolutely critical for us. But the setting of this, uh, uh, the setting of this is, is John trying to make sure that the reader would have believing faith in Jesus Christ after reading it, after reading it and, and experiencing uh, his, his, his gospel account. So uh, verse 15, we'll pick up here. John bore witness of him, Jesus, and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So uh, in verse 15, so John just uh, in verse 14 said that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the, the glory as of, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he goes on to say that uh, that John the Baptist, so it's a different John. So if you're just reading this in John and John, like, wait, is John writing in the third person or whatever? He's writing about John the Baptist. So uh, John the Apostle is writing about John the Baptist. I'm a John. It's like the most common name uh, here in the United States. People, I, I get yelled at all the time, and I turn around and look and find out it's not me. You know, So, so it's important to understand which John we're talking about. John uh, is saying that John the Baptist bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So uh, it starts off with John bore witness of him. This was John's main mission and purpose of, in life, to bear witness and to go before Jesus and to bear witness of him as the Christ. That's what that's what John's uh, whole uh, ministry was. If you uh, remember, we went back and looked at Luke chapter 1 uh, last week, and it's important to understand that when uh, Zacharias, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist's parents, couldn't have children, and an angel, Gabriel, met him. He was a priest, uh, met him in the temple and told him that they were going to have a son. And uh, they, he, John didn't quite believe and, and had some uh, doubtful question uh, for Gabriel. And Gabriel says, I am Gabriel who stands before uh, God. And I, basically, I'm, an, I'm an angel declaring this to you, and, and you're arguing with me. You have this pretty good uh, paraphrase here uh, and what he's and then he goes on to say he won't, won't be able to talk uh, until the baby's until after the baby's born so after John was born 
he uh, Zacharias, his dad was was uh, he could he still couldn't speak. So they're trying to figure out his name, and they're they're saying uh, some things, uh, some uh, some suggestions, and everything. And John's shaking his head, and he asks for a tablet and writes down his name is John. And after he did that, his tongue was loose, and he was able to say, you know, just proclaim. Uh, the praises of God, and when when you look at uh, Luke chapter one and uh, what was told was going to happen, and, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit further in our discussion here of what his uh, what his mission was going to be. They told him he he was going to fulfill prophecy. So as barren people, so they were they were well beyond the age of of having children. And uh, that, that doubting heart didn't mean anything. The Lord said, you're going to have a son. And, and he, when we can see that Jesus said that he was the greatest prophet uh, to live, you know, that, that's quite amazing. And uh, when we can uh, look at that and understand uh, wh- who John is and what he's saying. So John, uh, his, his whole ministry is pointing to Jesus Christ. And he fulfilled his ministry and was faithful, faithful to do so. And let that be a... Uh, a lesson to us as believers. If the Lord has given us a ministry, dive right into it wholeheartedly. Whatever our ministry is, just do it. That may change over time. It may start with this, and it may, you know, progress to that, and go this. But do it all as heartily as unto the Lord, like Colossians three twenty three says. Do everything heartily as to the Lord. It's important because I don't know about you guys, but um, uh, from my time in the military, and and uh, you know, now I work at a college and. Um, whenever somebody important showing up, you know, everybody gets a little bit, you know, more focused, you know, everything's got to be squeaky clean. Everything's got to be done a little bit better. And everybody's getting, you know, uh, we, we shouldn't have that hypocrisy in our hearts, you know, just act as when we're, when we're at work, we're serving the Lord, whatever we're doing, do it heartily as to the Lord. And that's going to minister. And, uh, that's going to minister. So it's important for us. So that we have the lesson we see in John the Baptist. We know that he was faithful to his ministry all the way to his death. John the Baptist was ultimately beheaded, uh, for honoring the Lord and, and, and doing uh, what he was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, calling out sin and, uh, calling to repentance. And, uh, he, it cost it literally cost him his head, his life. Uh, so, Important for us to know when we have a calling, be faithful to it. So it says also that he cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. So John is making the declaration. This is he. This is the, the this is the coming one. The one that was preferred before me of greater importance, greater honor. Uh, you could look at it as ranks higher than I. So when, when John says this, he's saying uh, that he ranks higher than I. So he who comes before me is preferred before me means someone who's of more importance. But he says he came after him. So uh, John is what he's saying here is uh, that uh, you know John's ministry was to go before Jesus and declare his coming, right? So when he says he was before me, remember, as you look back in John, uh, jo- uh, uh, John, sorry, when you look back in Luke, John is approximately three months older than Jesus. Because uh, Elizabeth was already pregnant when Mary went uh, to tell her, hey, you know, th- this is the great news of God. And it says that the baby left in her womb. So what John is saying, he was before me, is saying that John, basically when we look at this, John is declaring that Jesus is eternal. He's younger than him in, in uh, you know, an earthly age, just by three months. And you guys know as kids, that's, that's of utmost importance, you know, who's, who's oldest and everything. But what John is saying is he's preferred, he's preferred before me for he was before me. He's setting the stage for Jesus' ministry on earth as the Messiah. And he's pointing to Jesus saying that he is eternal. So when, when we consider John the Baptist's ministry, understand he, there was no like pulling punches. There was no question about what he was here to do. He was here to preach the gospel, and he was here to point people to Jesus Christ, to the deity of Christ. And, and then as we see here, he calls people to redemption uh, in the name of Christ as we get through uh, further in this. Verse 16 says, And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Oh, we should definitely be desiring the fullness of God in our lives and desiring his grace. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So when we think of Jesus, so uh, my goal will be to get my scripture references to these guys fast enough 
uh, so that they have them and can put them up there. So for anybody taking notes or wants to read along, as because I know sometimes I'll, I'll cite something that's six verses long, and uh, it might be easy to kind of get distracted. Uh, my goal is to always have the verses up there that I'm, that I'm uh, quoting from other places. When we're in John or whatever our main text, we have our scriptures in front of us, but when we're uh, looking at something different, you'll see it up there. Uh, Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. The fullness of the Godhead is what it's saying. Grace for grace, as we're reading there, is, is like grace upon grace. Uh, it's like a, a figure of speech. You know how they'll say sorrows upon sorrows? This is grace upon grace. This is a good thing. So when John is saying this, uh, that, uh, but uh, when he says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace uh, and truth came through Jesus Christ and, and of his fullness, we have all received in grace for grace, understanding that the focus should be the grace of God. Um, so the, the strong emphasis on grace, because he mentions grace and he, verse, and he, he mentions uh, the law versus grace. So the law's demand is perfect. When you, when you, I think it's 613 laws in the Old Testament. That's a lot of laws. For somebody, okay, if we want to try to keep track of those, have fun doing that. What I can tell you is if you go and read Galatians, you're going to read there and go, oh, okay, yes, those those laws are, are important. Uh, but uh, but as, as a Christian, I don't have to go ceremoniously wash my hands this way, and I don't have to do this and do all those things. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. So when we when we look at those things, just to understand, uh, we are we are as Christians are freed from uh, trying to fulfill the law to to earn right standing with with God. Uh, our right standing comes through faith in, in Christ. So the importance of understanding that. So the law's demand is perfection. Since man isn't perfect, we need the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. We need His grace and we need His truth. It's important for us and, and, and for, uh, for me just to say, you know, I don't want only a grace extended to me all the time uh, where someone would just extend grace and not share the truth with me. I don't want somebody to tell me, oh, hey, everything's great. You know what? Uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, everything's uh, you know, perfect. Just keep doing what you're doing and not saying, hey, what you're doing is is leading you down the path of hell. I don't want somebody to say, oh, you know, God loves you. Da, 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 da. What we can share uh, is is. That, that sin is leading to destruction. That's what the scripture says. If we have that message on our tongue, like, and we don't have to do it walking around with a sledgehammer, hitting people, Don't you don't see that in the scripture. You know, it's it's God calling out lovingly that we would turn from the sin that has uh, put us into that miry clay. His desire is to pull us out of that miry clay, put our feet on the rock, right? That's God's. So it's important for us not to just sit there and go, oh, I want only the grace. The truth is what we need. Those two things are so perfect for us. You know, I also want the truth that I'm, you know, I am, I am a sinner, but I don't, well, that's that in and of itself can be overbearing. Where it's just my, my standing in front of God on my own merit. I, I can't stand in front of God. That grace and truth, those two things coming together. That I am a sinner that I need God's grace to forgive me. And his mercy, that's that's where it all comes together perfectly. So when it says that Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth, we need them both. We can't forsake the truth. We can't go, well, I'm just going to trust in grace and kind of do what I want and hope. You know, don't live your life. And and, 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 and uh, don't get me wrong, for Christians, I'm not, I'm not preaching to you about uh, accepting Jesus. If you accept Jesus, great. If you haven't, then that's for you. But for us to be able to have this uh, on our hearts and being able to share we don't want to live our lives under a question mark, you know, saved, or we want the exclamation point. I'm saved. I, I trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation. His blood has covered me. Important for us. Grace, uh, that more excellent way. Romans chapter 5, verses 19 through 21 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made, were made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Such a blessing. From the, the, that, that sin would abound and grace abounds much more. Romans 6.14 says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. 
We are, we are so blessed to have the grace of God in our lives that he would extend. So grace, if you're not familiar with the word, undeserved favor. That's what, that's what grace is, what we don't deserve. So uh, in America, the, the song Amazing Grace is known by many, believer and unbeliever, knows, knows the word. I, mean, I don't know uh, many people that, that haven't uh, sang that song. Uh, it, maybe if you're at a, um, a funeral or somewhere, uh, there, there are a lot of people that I know that are not in subjection to the lordship of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, they haven't they haven't submitted their lives to him, uh, but they know the words to Amazing Grace because it's a beautiful song, you know. And and to be able to share the background of that song of a saved slave owner, you know those those things to sing of Amazing Grace, amazing amazing unearned favor. Anybody say, oh, I know that song. Great, let's talk about it. You know, do you know what that means? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, when you put those things together. You know, grace is a beautiful word. The word grace is, is uh, itself is a beautiful word, but it's so, such a blessing to be able to live under the grace of God and understand what that is, that it's unearned favor. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We just, just get into Ephesians 2, and you'll see that in there also. Verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So as Moses was uh, commanded to leave Sinai, there's a conversation between he and God. And at some point, uh, it, it, well, it's at verse 8 in Exodus 33, it says, So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent and watched until Moses had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked to Moses. Verse 11 says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his, uh, to his friend. Verse 18 of Exodus 33 says, And he said, Please show me your glory. So this is Moses speaking to God. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to you, and I will be uh, to whom I will be uh, sorry. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So no man has seen, uh, seen God at any time. The only begotten uh, son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. So there's the Old Testament that Moses would be as close as we can look to, especially in the Old Testament, of somebody who's seen God face to face. So he would talk to God through the cloud. But God said that it, but you'll be able to see my glory, but you can't see my face. I'll cover over your eyes until I pass by, and then you'll see my glory following behind me. John chapter 17, uh, sorry, 14, verses 7 through 9, we, we discussed this last week. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said, said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you, uh, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So I, I kind of stumbled through there. I'm just going to read uh, Jesus' statements. So Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So there's a declaration, Jesus Christ, so that he's saying he is God. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So when, uh, when John is writing to, uh, writing to us and no one has seen God uh, and lived, and uh, so it says no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten of the Father, Son uh, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So if we've seen Jesus spiritually, as we read the scripture, as we learn about Jesus, and as we grow in our faith, and under, understand when you're looking at God, 
there isn't this like, okay, I've got to understand God the Father, and I've got to, then I got to know Jesus the Son, and I got to, they're all one, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when when we when, when we're studying Jesus's words, we're studying the words of God. So it, that's what John is is making very clear here, and through his whole message here, the whole thing is focused on uh, uh, that Jesus is uh, is God, the deity of Christ. Is in the bosom of the Father, intimately knows the Father. Father, like they're they are one. So when he says that, is in the bosom of the Father, they're 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 right there next to each other. So as we move forward in verse nineteen, it says, "Now this is the testimony of John." And when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, "I am not the Christ." And they asked him, "What then? Are you Elijah?" He said, "I am not." Are you the prophet? And he said, no. And they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered, them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Going back to verses 19 through 20, it says, Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not uh, deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So there's a group of, of priests and Levites that are sent uh, by the Pharisees, and they were sent to investigate John. They're interrogating John is what's, what's happening, what we're seeing here, and his ministry. So when they asked him, John made it clear that he is not the Messiah. He said flat out, I am not the Christ. Are you, know, are you the Christ? No, I'm not the Christ. Remember... Um, who John is? We we discussed him last week. He's the guy with camel's hair, uh, you know, as his clothes. He's wearing a leather belt. He eats bugs and honey. Um, uh, we talked about last week. He's a he's a marketing firm's nightmare. Uh, just somebody who's who's just you're not going to go. Hey, this guy's got it. We're going to put him on all the billboards. You know, he that's they're they're you're not going to do. It. it doesn't make any sense uh, to somebody who's really trying to like you, you want somebody appealing. You want something that is appealing with a good message and those things. Uh, he he's declaring here uh, that he's not the Christ. John's making it very clear uh, that that he remember. I mean, the guy is uh, he's bearded. He's he's got this weird diet. He lives in the wilderness. Uh, his he's making it clear that that he is the one. He's got a, a whole different ministry. And they're asking, well, well who are you? So uh, as we go through this, uh, he's going to make it very clear that he's not. Uh, he's he's not the Christ. He's not Elijah. He's of the same spirit of Elijah. So when you see, you'll see a lot of similarities, and we'll look into those. Um, and are, are you the prophet, capital P? So, uh, and he says, no, I'm none of these. And they, they, I, I can almost sense some frustration there. Well who, well, who are you? We need to be able to tell somebody. So that's where it comes down to. So when they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. So these follow-on questions, who are you then? And that's that's a, kind of a paraphrase. So this wasn't a question like, uh, you know, what street, you know, what street did you grow up on? Aren't you Zach's boy? You know, it isn't, isn't anything like that. You know, they're they're literally asking, they're 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 questioning him because they want to see, well, what authority do you have to be doing this ministry? That's what they're really trying to get to. They didn't send him out there to say, hey, hey, can you go find out who that guy is? It was like, what is he doing and what authority does he have? And that's why the 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 Pharisees sent him uh, sent uh, this group out there. So uh, because you look at verse fifty, uh, verse twenty five, it says, then why then are you baptizing? If you're not any of these, why are you baptizing? So they're there. To interrogate him and to question his authority and really to, to shut him down, you know. So uh, you know they're not asking of a means of learning. They want to investigate. They want to interrogate him, um, and uh, they want to be able to categorize him. So they ask if he's Elijah or the prophet. And so uh, the spirit of Elijah is important for us to understand. Uh, you know, John and and Elijah. When you look back and you study through uh, through Kings and understand uh, Elijah's ministry. 
you'll see some similarities between John and Elijah. They were very bold and powerful prophets, both of them, used powerfully and mightily by God. Mightily by God, and um, both were enemies of of rulers of Israel. You know, one spoke out. Uh, you know, Elijah spoke about the uh, the sin of Ahab. And uh, and that didn't make uh, Jezebel very very happy. So Jezebel is murderous, and and uh, she wants to 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 kill him. You know, she's she's after it. And it gets it gets uh, Elijah on the run. Uh, you know, John was John was killed for uh, calling out Herod uh, for having uh, his brother's wife. He stole his brother's wife. And ended up losing his head. So these people were these these men were very serious about their ministry and and were willing to put literally put their lives on the line uh, for their ministry uh, to the Lord. So uh, both of them are are uh, amazing prophets, and they both uh, face serious persecution uh, for their faithfulness to God and calling out sin. So John makes it clear that he's not Elijah uh, in the flesh. But we know uh, through other scriptures that we that the the same spirit of Elijah, that same that same type of person uh, that uh, that Elijah was, uh, John uh, John is. So uh, Malachi chapter three verse one says, "Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me." Malachi four verses five and six says, "Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord." And he will turn the hearts of the fathers uh, to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Another scripture to look at, Luke chapter 15, uh, 1, verse uh, 15 through 17. This is what I, I had alluded to earlier when I said that we would look into Luke. This is the angel speaking to John the Baptist's father. As he's declaring he's going to be uh, be born, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember of the same spirit of Elijah, God's spirit so powerfully and heavily upon him. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn, uh, uh, turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. One last verse, Matthew 17 verses, uh, or reference I should say, uh, two verses, Matthew 17 uh, verses 12 and 13 says, But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and that they did not know him, but did uh, to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. So the, the Old Testament scriptures uh, proclaimed that John would come. Now understand there's a 400 year gap between uh, the, the, so there was a spiritual silence in Israel for 400 years. So when you read through the Old Testament, you get through Malachi, uh, there's a 400 year dark, uh, I guess, a dark period that you can look at a 400 years where Israel didn't hear from the Lord. They didn't have a new revelation from the Lord. On comes John into the scene and fulfilling uh, the prophecies in Malachi and Isaiah. Uh, and so as they, uh, they're now starting to hear, wait a minute. Okay, so these prophecies that we've read about uh, from hundreds of years before are now, so you're, you're proclaiming you're the guy. And so then they ask him, so they ask, are you Elijah? And he tells them he's, he's not Elijah, but he's of the same spirit of Elijah. Uh, are you the prophet? Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19 says, The Lord your God will raise up for, uh, for you a prophet, big P, uh, like me in the midst of the brethren. So that's, this is a messianic prophecy. From your brethren, him you shall hear according uh, to all you desired of the Lord your, heart, your God in Horeb. In the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor uh, let me see this, this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, uh, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among them, um, among their brethren, and put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So that prophet, so that prophet that was prophet, uh, promised uh, all the way back in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, speaking of Jesus, 
That's a, the, the B, big P, prophet, is speaking of Jesus. So when we look at the end in verse 19 where it says, And it shall be whoever will hear my words, which he speaks in my name, will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. That we're responsible when we've heard the words of Jesus to be obedient to, be obedient to them. So they're asking him, are you the, are you the great prophet? Are, which would be, are you, are you Jesus? And he says, no. So they continue with their questions. They say, well, we have to give an answer. What do you say about yourself? It's funny because, you know, man's sinful desire would be to uh, start up his own ministry. He's got the opportunity, you know, John, John would have been, uh, had the perfect opportunity. He's got everybody there. Uh, and he could have said, you know, he's got everybody's attention, could have easily been done and say, finally, everybody's starting to recognize me. Now, now you guys, everybody's been coming out to the woods. That obviously was not John's thing. But if you look at, at, at the heart of man to be exalted, that would have been the opportunity. So who, who do you say you are? You know, John could have you know, started this whole thing. Uh, but no, John was faithful to his calling. And it was because he had the Holy Spirit in him. So when we understand that John is preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit, and his whole ministry is about uh, is is being led by the by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do? The Spirit points people toward Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, John uh, desires to do the same thing here because he's being led by the Spirit, and instead of glorifying himself, John breaks it down for them and tells them that he's the one mentioned in Isaiah forty verse three. It says the voice of one crying in the wilderness, "Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight." in the desert, a highway for our God. So when they start getting angry, and they're like, well, okay, well, if you're not these guys, are you just going to, like I said, this is another paraphrase. Well, who are you then? You know, who, who can we go back and tell them, you know, who you are uh, and everything? And John makes it very clear that he is the one that is there to declare uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3, the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That he is, he's sent for, and, and those scriptures that we just studied in Isaiah and in Malachi all speak of one coming before Jesus that would get everybody's attention around. And then, uh, and then here is John uh, declaring that he is that person. Verse 25, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So the questions be, okay, so, so if, if you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet, and you're not the Christ, then, uh, then, then who are you? What's going on here? So now their, their challenge goes to the next level. And, you know, why are you doing these things? They're questioning his, his authority. They're threatened by his ministry. Remember, as we studied through Luke, uh, if you were here for our study through Luke, uh, the religious leaders were always very, uh, very threatened by Jesus's ministry. And that's why they were they were so confrontational with him. Because the people loved, as you read through, the people loved John, and uh, they respected him, and they were flocking to him. Like I said, there was nothing about John's ministry that would be appealing to anybody. I mean, he's the guy eating bugs out in the in the wilderness. He, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming probably doesn't smell the best. Um, you know, he's he's got the camel's hair on and a leather belt. You know, uh, but people loved him because they knew that he was speaking the truth. When people hear truth, they're either going to run from it or run to it. There's usually going to be the, 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 the two responses. There's not going to be that, oh, I'm just going to kind of be in the middle. I'm going to fade back. It's, oh, that cut me right to the heart. I'm going the opposite direction. Or that cut me to the heart. I need to know more. I need to press on. He, John was so loved by the people that uh, that they were flocking to him. And uh, that caught the religious leaders' attention. So now they're growing concerned. And uh, he's, he's, he's baptizing people. So when they say, uh, you know, why then do you baptize? So, so baptism isn't exclusive to Christianity. It's, it's great that we're talking about baptism when our brother's going to be baptized this morning, right? So uh, it's not exclusive to, to Christianity, and it's part of the Jewish culture. But John's baptism was specific because he was calling everybody to repentance and declaring Christ. So uh, they, when you when you study through, you can look at other gospel accounts and, and look at John. John didn't mince words at all. You know, the religious leaders come up and he'd look right at them. You know, you sons of snakes, you brood of vipers. You know, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, he was he just he wasn't. You know, uh, these people needed to, they needed that harsh harsh correction. You know, oftentimes. Uh, it, for us with non-believers, if we have that type of tone with anybody, all we've done is lopped off their ear, right? 
to a brother or sister that we know is just rejecting God's word, we may need to get spiritually right in their face and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know better, man. Where are you at? Come back. Come back to the Lord. You know, they may, may need to be a little bit more harsh, a little more in your face. John, John the Baptist, uh, his, his, uh, his ministry was, was exclusive. He, he was the one that was to prepare the way of the Lord. And he was doing that, calling people, preaching repentance. And as people heard, they knew they knew they, they, they uh, were sinners. So he's bringing them. He's saying, hey, you can be baptized. Come, turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. And, and John would baptize them. So when they asked him, you know, you know, why do you baptize? John says in verse 26, John answered and said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. So John explains that his ministry of preaching and baptizing, that's his, his ministry, but he's serving one greater than himself. So he's saying, yeah, I do these things, but there's one greater that comes after me. He's uh, that John's uh, responsibility was pointing those people to Jesus uh, and, and calls him the Lamb of God. So Jesus, sorry, the Jews knew what a lamb represented. They they were very familiar when you when he said you know the Lamb of God. They knew that a a lamb uh, represented one that was going to be sacrificed. For the sins, they they were still uh, when they heard uh, that about about God. Uh, I'm sure about Jesus. I'm sure that there was some confusion there. Like, wait, the man is the Lamb of God. Wait, and, and uh, so John acknowledges that that his ministry is inferior to Jesus's, and uh, that he himself is in submission to Jesus, but is pointing to Jesus. Behold, and, and we're going to get into that here. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's what his ministry was: was to point people to the Lamb. And uh, that, like I said, that lamb, that, that was a familiar term to them. And now they had to wrap their, their heads around, uh, you know, what he meant with that. So um, it's important for us uh, when we see uh, that John here, he has a ministry and he has people following him. Uh, so that's uh, obviously a very powerful ministry to understand that Jesus's ministry and, 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 and Jesus himself is more important than us. And for anybody who's serving at all in any type of ministry to understand that, that, that Jesus is, uh, that we are inferior to Jesus, that he is superior to us. We can't get to the point where we're like, okay, I've got this. I got this. Don't really need Jesus. Don't really need God. Yeah, I can, I can do this. I can do that. Uh, oh, it's only changing out the, the trash cans. It's only this and that. Uh, it, 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 we, can, we can get that heart. You know, because he can say, oh, no, I've already got all these people. They're already listening to me. You know, his heart could have, but John's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's honoring God with everything that he has and all that he is. So God is opening the door, and, and he's bringing people to him. And it's important for us uh, in any type, like I said, in any type of ministry. You're working in the child uh, children's ministry. You're greeting people here. Uh, you're helping in whatever manner, leading worship playing an instrument, whatever it is, it's important to understand that God is, is the focus and God is the one that is in control. It's not on our own merit. It's not on our own uh, abilities that, that we, do, uh, we do ministry. And it's important for us to understand, especially those who may be in a teaching or pastoral role, um, to understand that, that, that uh, oh, I, I do want to back up, God doesn't need our help. God doesn't, he's not sitting there pacing back and forth like, oh, who's, who's going to do all the work? Oh man, I want to get this done. God, God doesn't need our help. He wants us to serve him and he wants us to serve him with all our hearts. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us to do the ministry he wants to do. He'll cause, he'll cause uh, a, a revival. We don't have to plan. Okay. We got to get the tent and we got to get the circus tent. And then we have to tell everybody it's a revival, you know, and, and I know Will has shared this before. God causes the, uh, the, the revival. Our hearts, oh man, to know, I, I want this community saved. I want uh, all these things. But for us to, to put together a day, okay, this is going to be the day that everybody's saved. Revival comes from uh, the Lord ministering to his church and his church going out. The, with us as a church, we are going to do things to, and continue to do things uh, in the community. You know, it may be preaching in the jail. It may be fall family fun day. Um, you know, we had, uh, you know, our brothers, uh, you know, just being able to play uh, right in, in front of everybody and, and proclaim Jesus's name. I was I was blessed to be a part of that. We, we are called to be a light to this community. We just need to understand that God isn't pacing, wondering, you know, who, who's going to do it. 
I, I, if only I had somebody to do it. You know, God's in control of it. We just need to be faithful to what he's called us to do. If he's called us to a ministry, be faithful to that ministry. That's the important thing. Okay, if, if, if me, what I'm supposed to do is I'm on the schedule to be in the nursery, be in the nursery. Don't forsake that ministry saying, ah, it's not really that important. You know, I'll figure somebody out. You know, that, that shouldn't be what happens here. Uh, you know, we I just need to be faithful to what we're called to do. You know, he doesn't need our, our programs, our processes, but he's, he is so gracious and faithful that he wants to use us. That God wants to use us. He stirs our hearts to minister inside these walls and outside these walls. But God isn't like his hands are tied. You know, just, just understand, uh, God's hands aren't tied. If, if uh, whatever's happening, if he wants to minister to somebody, he's going to minister. And he's going to send somebody uh, that, that will, that will uh, uh, be faithful to plant seeds and, and water seed. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, I planted, this is Paul saying, because he's, he's confronting, because in, in Corinth, they're all getting into a, a mindset, well, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, and you know, I'm following this guy, this guy. This guy's more holy, or this guy's got uh, you know bigger calling on his life, uh, so you should be following him and not him. And Paul's just calling him out for that, that division that they have. And he says, I planted, Apollos watered, the important thing is here, but God gave the increase. But God gave the increase. We may just be the person that's sent to water something, that uh, a seed that God, that somebody else has already planted. That may be the case. I had a conversation with somebody that, that I love in my life this week and, uh, and, and that I've known for years now. And uh, uh, I know that, that they've had other brothers and sisters, uh, you know, in their lives that have planted the seed. And I'm, I'm just recognizing we're, just, we're, we're talking. You know, I'm not trying to cause the growth, but I'm there. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm here. I'm supposed to have the little the watering thing, you know, with the spout there at the end. And maybe my job is just to walk up spiritually and, and to water this. You know, and 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 God's God's going to do the work. He's going to do. You know, the Holy Spirit, like I said, isn't sitting there waiting. Oh, you know, if only if only they would do what I need them to, I could do what I need to. You know, what did Jesus say? The harvest is, is plenty. Pray that 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 God would send out, but it's God doing the sending. We don't have to like drive around in a bus trying to find Christians. Come with us, and you know those things. It's God that brings the increase. God does the work. Remember Philip in Acts eight. God sent an angel uh, to direct Philip uh, where to minister. He obeyed. He met the Ethiopian and uh, was able to to share the gospel with him. And and uh, it's a it's a lesson to us uh, from Acts chapter eight that God's in control. We need to share His word and spread His His grace and love, and God will bring the increase individually and collectively. So uh, remember when when I uh, shortly after uh, it might have even been the day. No, it wasn't the day that the um, uh, the the um, the only word that's coming to mind right now is the declaration, the announcement uh, that that uh, Will and and uh, the group were going to Kentucky, and that I would be the pastor. I've told you guys all about that uh, several times, so I'm not going to broken record it as much as you guys know I like to do. But um, I, it was it, it's so powerful on my heart that God is saying, I will I will take care of these things. Be faithful every day. Day by day, step by step to follow me, and I'm going to take care of these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sharing with you what God is speaking to my heart. And I know he's speaking to us. If we've been given the ministry, listen, be obedient to him, follow him, and he is going to bring the increase. He is going to lead and guide us. Guys, it takes all the pressure off. Our job is to be faithful to the ministry he's given us. As we see John the Baptist was in the face of, of this opposition, in the face of the further opposition that he that he faced in his life, John the Baptist was faithful to the ministry he was given. Whatever ministry we have, be faithful to it. Moving along, uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. Excuse me, just for a minute. The next day... <clears throat> John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the Jews heard, like we said, heard lamb and sin uh, put together, they were familiar with the symbolism. You know, Jesus is, uh, you know, calling Jesus the Lamb of God was a powerful statement uh, in and of itself, uh, but one that brought uh, confusion for them where they're looking at a person uh, described as a lamb. 
And John said that he takes away the sins of the world, not just a ceremonial covering, you know, where, where those lambs that would be sacrificed. Remember Hebrews said, and I know I've said this before, but Hebrews said the blood, the blood of bulls and goats, you know, can't wash away our sin. It was the, the, the implication there that, that Jesus Christ had to come and die. So when, when we see here that it says, takes away the sins of the world, the lamb, uh, you know, lamb sacrifices were, were a symbol of what would what was to come. So when John calls Jesus the Lamb of God, he's he it's prophesying. It's a prophecy of what is to come because John has uh, Jesus has his ministry coming, but John is saying that he's coming uh, and he is the Lamb that is coming. Come if you look at, at uh, Revelation chapter five, uh, there's a there are a lot of references to the Lamb, and uh, we won't read all of them, but I'm going to read a few verses to you. Uh, that just shows, so he's described as the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation chapter 5, and the lamb, as, when it describes John's writing here, the same John, he's writing that he saw a lamb as though it had been slain. Revelation 5 verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and every nation. And nation. Verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is, so it goes further along to say, says with a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, uh, I heard Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. So when, when John is describing Jesus as the lamb, that's all prophetic. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, as Christians understand, this is the taking away of the sin. It wasn't like uh, that, that, like a, just, just a covering of sin. Our sin has been washed away. It's gone. Like that, that old sinful, that, that sin that, that covered us, those black stains that covered us, that, that, that sin that covered us, it has been washed away from the Christian. We are going to sin. We are going to stumble. We're going to have things that we say, think, do uh, that, are, that are sinful. We need to just confess them, turn from them, and just go back to the Lord, right? We fail. Don't let that failure derail us and say, oh, I failed. That's the end of it. You know, I'm just going to go hard down this road. That's the road to destruction. You know, God's road uh, it, that leads to life is narrow. And it's, it's, it's hard. We, we are going to have to sacrifice ourselves on it, to lay our lives down. But to just understand, if there are times of stumbling, don't sit there and go, well, you know, I've messed up. That's it. I'm gonna just going to unplug. It's all over now. Might as well just dive headlong right back into sin. That's what sin and that's what our enemy wants. You've already sinned. You know, are you really good enough for God? Yes. In, because of his grace and mercy, because what Jesus did for us, because of Jesus' righteousness, yes, we are good enough in his righteousness. That's the righteousness we can rest in. We'll never do enough to pay for our sin. So when John calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, for any who's believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth that Jesus is, is Lord and walks with him, our sins are forgiven. They're gone. The sins are they're taken away. Our enemy is always going to try to fling those in our face, our past in our face. Look how much you fail. Look how much you've done. Does God, does, does the Holy Spirit really live in you? If you have the Holy Spirit, why would you sin, right? That's what our enemy wants to derail our faith because he hates us. He hates us. He doesn't want us walking with, with Jesus. Our flesh wants to walk down that path of sin because it's easier, right? It's more fun and fulfilling rather than, you know, when, you know, you can read something like you know, Romans 12, where it's telling us to, to lay everything down, lay it all down, present our, our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Well, geez, that don't ever be deceived into believing that we, that, that, that God is done with you and that we've turned and I've, I see, I've, I've fallen into that sin again. God, God, I'm at that point now. This is the, 15th time this week, God God hates me, I might as well, I'm, I'm, God is, is so faithful to restore us, to forgive us, and, and, and renew us, just constantly, he's, he's cleansing us. Verse 30, 
John says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John being flat out honest, uh, as I greatly appreciate. So John makes it clear that the statement uh, in this uh, statement to religious leaders um, that uh, that he had said the day before about Jesus, he's he's reiterating them. This is he, and he says, uh, and then uh, as we talked about, this is a prophecy of his sacrificial death. And uh, one, uh, what he's showing here once again is he's repeating uh, that he's of more importance uh, than me, and he. When he says the Spirit descending upon, when, when Jesus was baptized, remember the Spirit uh, of God visibly fell on him. Uh, and that wasn't so that Jesus would know that he's the Messiah. I remember being, um, it was weird because I was kind of like a brand new youth pastor um, over in Washington. And they wanted to have this panel. And thankfully I was not part of it because <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I was ready. And I don't think looking back, it was this panel that would just be sit, sitting there and the kids would write these le- these letters, these questions down, and they submitted them, and they would hand them out, and these people would answer them. And one of the questions was, is when did Jesus find out that he was the Messiah? Like, when did he come to that? So the, these kids, that, that precious heart to ask that question, didn't have the understanding that Jesus was God in the flesh and is eternal, and that he came knowing his mission. It wasn't like, oh, hey, the you know, Spirit descended upon me. I guess I'm the guy, you know? That is the spirit descending upon. It says that uh, John just said on there, whom you see. It was a confirmation to John that John would see and know at that point. So for those you know witnessing, not for Jesus to know. So it symbolized the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry on earth. And, and uh, Jesus himself was baptized as an example. We are to be baptized, so Jesus was baptized. And then, uh, remember, because there's an interaction where John's like, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus explains, no, it's proper for me to be uh, baptized. So he was, he was baptized. And then when he came up, that's when uh, John saw the spirit descending upon him. Isaiah 42, verse 1 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. I just want to share that that scripture with you uh, as it's it's fitting for what we're studying and we're going through here. Behold my servant uh, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. Remember when, when uh, the Spirit descended and, and uh, the, the audible voice of God, you know, this, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, I have put my Spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Anybody who's not Jewish, put your thumbs up. That's a good thing. My ministry, what he's saying here is that his ministry is inferior to Jesus. You know, he's saying, you know, I baptize with water. The outness, uh, sorry, the outward expression of the newness uh, of life, of faith in Christ. That's what Justin's going to do after this service. He's going to make that public declaration. His body will be submerged in water and pulled up, and it's a, just a symbol. There's no magical thing that's happening. This is him being obedient to the scriptures and being baptized and showing that he has uh, submitted his life to Jesus Christ, and he's been saved, and that, that old person is gone and that the new is, has come up and he's 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 new. So don't mean to embarrass you guys, but Greg and Jen, was it last week? Greg and Jen were just baptized last week. Just a total blessing. You know, they just they just said, you know what, uh, we want to be baptized. And they were baptized, I think together at the same time, right? It's that just just responding to uh, the call of the Holy Spirit. That's why when uh, when uh, when Oliver said, "Hey, if anybody uh, has not been baptized, or you know, maybe maybe there's a, a, a time where you said, you know what, I've walked away from the Lord. I think He's reestablished me uh, in my faith, and I just, I just want to be baptized. I want to make, I want to reaffirm publicly that I am walking with Him. Then do it. You know, the, the trough's going to be full. It's not like we're going to run out of water. Okay, and uh, you can drive home wet 
You know, I, I did that. I did that in college. I got baptized because I honestly, looking back on it, it was more of like an emotional thing for me. I, I knew I wanted to to dive deep into the Lord, but I wanted to have the old. I wanted to have the old partying college, you know, flesh still. But I, I, I wanted the Savior, but not the Lord, right? Uh, so I went and I got baptized, and I drove back to the dorm soaked. You know, and I get out and water pouring everywhere and everything. You know, that's uh, if you do want to be baptized, make sure you've submitted your lives to the Lord. It says that Jesus came uh, it will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit uh, is, uh, you know, for us to be filled and to be used by God, He's going to empower us with the Holy Spirit. So when we've when we've uh, come to the Lord and we've we've asked Him uh, into our hearts, uh, so then He's in us. So He was with us, in us, and then to empower us, pray. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, we all do. We should all pray and ask God to fill us with His Spirit. You know, his spirit is teaching us, he's leading us, and, and he's using us for, for, for his will. So John is, is saying uh, here that he's seen and testified that this is the son of God. He's making sure that everybody understands that his ministry is inferior to that of Jesus, and that he's pointing people to Jesus and that they need to listen to Jesus. So we covered last week, uh, you know, that uh, Jesus is... Uh, shown in John as the Son of God, and that's the, the purpose of the book, and that John the Baptist is, is pointing to him as the Son of God. So the scriptures point to one. When we look at the scripture, they only they only point to one, and, and uh, only to Jesus, and, and, and only Jesus can fulfill that, those Messianic scriptures, and he claimed it, uh, several times that he was God. I know there's the argument that, that can be had with you know cult members or whatever, that Jesus never claimed that thing, and when you take him to the scriptures, he did, and the scriptures point to, uh, to him being the only one. And I know that I, I mentioned even mathematically, when you look back uh, at everything that's written in, Dan, in Daniel, and it's mathematically impossible for anybody else to be the Christ. If you look back and, and you you understand properly in Daniel what he was talking about, the prophecy of when the um, uh, when the uh, uh, Messiah would be uh, declared. If you look at okay, well the the uh, the uh, declaration was given that uh, they could rebuild Jerusalem. Okay, so then it was you know 400. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess myself up. Uh, 483 years later. And you, you follow that all the way through, and uh, so it's math. But that, that's already passed. So either Jesus is or he isn't. But there's nobody else that could be. So Jesus is. Christ is a Lamb of God that takes away our sins and the sins of the world. He is the one that we can trust. We've talked about the Day of Atonement, that there was separation between God and man. When he says the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When the Lamb was slain, that veil was torn. There's no more separation between God and man. And that man can now come to God through Jesus Christ. Our sins can be washed. They can be cleansed. We don't have to wait one day a year uh, for a ceremonial anything. We can just come to Jesus. There's nothing. There's anything keeping you from coming to Jesus. Move it right out of the way. It's already gone. The veil was torn. Jesus, uh, God made uh, the, uh, the declaration when he ripped that. The, the sins are gone. The past life is gone. And I love that the scripture tells us that our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. We are human beings. We still have sinful nature in us. Don't get discouraged. You know, if we if you think the wrong thing, well, why would uh, if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm a pastor, if I'm you know on the worship team, if I'm doing this, if I'm serving at church, or if I'm sitting here faithfully every week and I'm still doing the, I'm just a fake. I'm a fraud. Why am I even bothering? No, be yes, be in submission to the Lord, but understand uh, if we do fail, God is so faithful to restore us. Don't accept the failure, though. We should never accept the failure. We are we are going to be faced with it, and the encouragement that the Scripture gives us is to is to trust in God, trust in Him, and He is going. the The battle is His. We just need to go to Him and say, Lord, I'm weak. I need You right now. That song, I need You every hour. I need You. Because we do. We need him every, every single one of us. There's not one of us in here that's more of a sinner than others. We're all we're categorized as sinners. Whatever that sin or whatever struggle we have, our faith and hope is in Christ. And Christ is going to fulfill us. And he's, he's going to, he, he has washed us. We are cleansed. Uh, the sin is gone. We stand in his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we are so blessed by what we can read here and how we can be encouraged. 
Help us to, to be faithful in whatever ministry you have given us. Help us to share your word in love and to point to you uh, in our lives. And God, to know uh, without a question that our sins are forgiven in Christ. They're washed away. They're gone. It says, uh, as John declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Those sins are taken away. They're gone. Lord, that if we if we do stumble, whatever it is, God, that you would, uh, in your loving kindness, uh, stand us back up. Help us to you know, brush ourselves up off and, and, and walk with you. Not be derailed, not pulled down the path to the left or right, but to follow you. Praise your name, Lord. We thank you that we can trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.